1: Welcome Pewter Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am your host, John Ledyard, along with my esteemed fellow colleague and fellow host, Mark Cook. Mark, how are you this evening?
0: You know, I've been doing this for like four years. I've never called myself a host. I've noticed that you do that. I just intro the podcast. I don't we're all hosts, man. We're all part of the. I don't. I don't like to single myself out, John. <laughs> the Go listeners, ahead, you are
1: also hosts, and our our tr- our tr- completing our trio of hosts is to Reed today. Uh, the Athletic. He covers the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders. Excuse me for the Athletic. Uh, only for about what six months now, to Yeah, man.
2: This is, um, yeah, this is my six month. I started of April. Yeah. Like when everything started going start going crazy here so
1: it's
2: <laughs> been a wild ride and it got even wilder this week
1: I was gonna say you're like a grizzled veteran in the field already based on everything you've had to deal with so far uh this crazy off season and then crazy season and we'll get to some of those specifics in a little bit too but first I know Mark will get mad at me if I don't mention this you covered Florida State for a while you're only like what 24 years old I mean you're like super young right yeah 24. 24 so you're you're, so you're breaking into this thing in a high level early on which is awesome uh and i i'd love to get to some of your story too but i know that you covered florida state for a while and mark obviously a huge seminoles fan so i know he's probably got one or two things you might want to send your way and maybe get some inside scoop at some point here
0: first of all i just want to say man i really enjoyed your coverage i thought it was really good unbiased stuff Um, I, i said that I could never, and I know you went to Missouri, but um, I could never cover Florida State as a job because then you you lose your fandom, right? You lose, you know, your passion for it. It becomes a job. I mean, I grew up watching the Buccaneers since I was a kid, since 1977 in their second season. But once I started full-time in 2011, it becomes a job. I mean, I don't have time to get get mad happy anything you just work and you spent all week working covering a team so uh, I could never do what you did so I really enjoyed your coverage man I thought it was really good I know you took a lot of flack from some Seminole fans but that's part of the deal but I gotta imagine a uh, little bit different from living in Tallahassee and, and living in Las Vegas just just a little bit of a change right? <laughs> yeah man it's
2: just it's, it's a slight change you know I, I think um I hadn't, I hadn't been to las vegas before i moved here just like i hadn't been to, to florida before i took the florida state job so both i just kind of jumped into a kind of unknown territory with both of those yeah. um this obviously vegas isn't quite where vegas would normally be with the pandemic right. and everything but even still like, they, like the, the first day i got here i'm used to heat obviously being in florida like you know mm-hmm. that's part of the bag but when I got here, it was like one ten zero percent humidity. I got out, like the the breeze was blowing and it was hot air. I'm like, what is what is this? <laughs> so, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a wild acclamation last few months. Yeah. Well, spotless. what do you miss, what do you,
0: what do you miss more about Tallahassee, Waterburger or Guthries? I mean, those are two two I classic. Was really, uh,
2: I was never really a Whataburger guy. Like, uh, like I tried it, but it didn't hit with me. I think Guthries was a little bit better. Like yeah. I'm, chicken like you know fried chicken that kind of stuff it, it, it's hard to mess up with me so like i went there I more so i, I had to give them
0: give them that yeah all right well that's fair uh we, we when we go to mobile um there's a there's a whataburger in mobile uh there's not any around here in central florida that i know of because if i did i would probably be 450 pounds but anyway <laughs> uh when i was a kid there were burgers, but they've all kind of disappeared around here but anyway We'll, uh People don't care about Waterberg or Guthries right now. They want to talk. They about do care about this Bucks
1: Raiders though. We got. Is this yeah. game going to happen, guys? That's the first thing we got to talk about. I mean, today mm. was kind of a whirlwind of breaking news. I know Tashawn, you were right in the middle of it. We were kind of reacting to it as everything kind of came out. It's like. Okay, the Raiders held the offensive line and Jonathan Abram out of practice again. And okay, the Raiders are putting all them on the reserve COVID list, you know, because they've all been deemed high risk. And you know, okay, this game's getting moved. It was Sunday night, and now it's going to be Sunday afternoon, four o five Eastern time. uh, The game has been moved to, and so all of this is kind of happening. I'm literally. Writing the stories and then like rewriting portions as these things come out. And Deshaun, I know you're kind of boots on the ground there uh, with the Raiders, but what is kind of going on in with the Raiders this offseason? I know there's been a couple an incident that you were at with uh, with Darren Waller's fundraiser, um, where uh, you know, there where people were uh, players were unmasked there, and that's kind of what started it. And then that was a while ago, though, and now it seems like this is a completely separate thing almost. But now the NFL investigating where they kind of the NFL PA investigating where they wearing masks and the hallway, player interactions and things like that was, was Trent Brown wearing his tracking device. Just kind of, if you can fill us in on kind of what's going on on the Raiders side of things and where the whole organization is at right now, uh, as we, as we record this and, and are live on a, on a Thursday for fans.
2: Yeah. I think, as you said, you know, obviously they had some, some issues earlier in the season with John Gruden, not properly wearing his mask on the sideline. He got fined a couple hundred thousand dollars for that. Uh, after the game, they were also fined for having somebody unauthorized into the locker room that they weren't supposed to have. And then shortly after that, at Darren Waller's you know fundraiser event that was you know, for his foundation to combat addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, there several players, Paul Waller and, and quarterback Derek Carr and a few others included, who were pictured and seen not wearing their masks there. And, and they were all fined as well. And So they, they had been dinged up a few times for this kind of stuff prior. But you know, and then going into the, the bye week, obviously, I, I feel like any team in the league, you're going to be a little bit nervous right now, even though guys aren't leaving their whole cities. Uh, you just have that much time away from the facility, things can start to happen. And and you're know, coming back from it. I, I mean, on, on Monday, they had cornerback Damon Arnett. He was placed on, on the COVID list. He was already on injured reserve, but um, that Monday when he was put on the list, you figure, okay, they're practicing Monday. No other, none, none of these guys are positive. It seems like they've made it through the bye week relatively okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Tuesday morning, it comes out that, that Trent Brown's being, uh, you know, placed on the the COVID list. Or, or Wednesday morning. My, my, my apologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tuesday they had off for practice, but they get tested every day, regardless of whether they practice or not at their facility in, in Henderson. Uh, and so given that Brown had practiced with the team on Monday and tested positive or, or he got his positive test Wednesday morning, um, obviously that, that drew up a lot of red flags. You know, I, I was a little bit surprised going there to see practice still going on as, as usual Wednesday, but, uh, you know, going into the facility, you quickly notice that practice haters, hey, you know, not everybody's here, <laughs> you know, and yeah, uh, I mean, there were some guys that were there Monday that all was were missing. And obviously it ended up being the entire, starting offensive line, for of the players, Colton Miller, Denzel Good, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, and safety John Abram were all held out because of the contact tracing protocol. Uh, they were deemed to be high-risk individuals and never in close contact with Brown, who did indeed test positive. Uh, so far, none those other five players have tested positive or were a player from the franchise, but uh, given the NFL's new protocol that I think just went into effect either last, this week or last week, uh, guys who are deemed high risk, they essentially go into quarantine for at least five days Right. Um, from the last contact, which was Monday. And so for them, that would be start with Tuesday. That's when you start your count of five. And so they would be eligible to play Sunday because their, their count would be up as long as they continue to test negative. You know, as we saw with this heightened situation earlier this year, the guys that were testing positive a week or two after the outbreak, you know, had started. So you never really know for sure. Right a few days later, but at least so far, the only guys that they have with positive tests were Damon Arnett and Trent Brown, but those other five guys are on the COVID list as well as as they kind of wait and see, do those guys come up with positives or are they good and able to play Sunday? And even if they are able to play Sunday, they they won't obviously have any more practice time.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, Tennessee will tell you, you don't need practice time. I mean, they were uh, – I mean, they, they rolled <laughs> Buffalo with no problem at all. You know what I mean? I, I was listening to one of our local sportscasters here on six twenty. their partner with Pewter report and Ian Beckles, a former Buccaneer, um, said, you know, his last year in Philadelphia, he didn't practice at all. I mean, he was an old veteran guy, right? So, you know, he, he didn't need it. Um, I don't know how much these guys needed, but that's a pretty veteran offensive line. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm John Gruden, John Gruden likes guys to practice. That's for sure. And, yeah. uh, and, We'll see what happens. I hope, um, you know, you you think, well, if say they're missing two or three guys. That's an advantage to the Buccaneers' pass rush and things like that. But I don't think the Buccaneers, I don't think, you know, most people want to see, you know, them going up against a team that might be missing, you know, several starters along the offensive line. Injuries happen. Those kind of things happen. But in this situation, um, you know, you want to see where you stack up. And, And I think having, you know, as many starters on both sides of the ball for both teams is, is the best way to do that. But um, I'm concerned. I was on a radio station with Las Vegas right before I did this and um, Raider nation radio, I think it was. And they said that, um, you know, they're a little more concerned that this game even takes place on Sunday. You know, we know it's moved from, from eight o'clock Eastern time to four, but um, you know, they're, they're concerned how it's even going to happen. The problem with that um, to Sean is, you guys have already had the bye week, right? The Raiders have already had the bye week. So I don't I don't have any idea how that would even even work out. Uh, you know, for them to try and reschedule that game unless they go to that week 17 type thing where they play, you know, at a, at a week on to the week 18. I'm sorry where they add yeah. a week on at the end of the year. I mean, what what are your thoughts on if they don't play? Um, you know, how do they make up that game?
2: Yeah, I think part of the reason that they moved the time from Sunday Night Football to the 1 p.m. here Pacific Time kickoff is it gives them a little bit more flexibility to move it and guarantees that they have that Sunday Night Football game. Um, but I, I don't think they could. They could still move it to Monday or potentially even Tuesday like the Titans game that was played. So they could still play it. I guess technically this week, they just move it over a day or two. Um, I don't think, it, uh, you know, unless they have more positive tests come up, let's say those five guys that are in quarantine, right. they have some positives among those guys, and I think it would be considered an outbreak and at that point you postpone the game. But if they just have guys in this practice time, I think the league so far this season, they haven't shown that that's going to be a reason why they, you know, prevent a game from being played. I think we've seen several teams at this point who came off and of not being able to practice for a, a day or a couple of days or having some players out that still had to go, go ahead and play anyway. And so – if they did postpone for that reason, I think that will be set the precedent that we haven't seen yet so far from the league.
1: Right. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes it so interesting is that we haven't, you know, we are kind of creatures of habit, right? As reporters that like we want to know like what's happened based on precedent. We really don't have precedent like to go off of and operate off of in this situation. So, you know, that's why I think has led to a lot of speculation. Every time somebody gets a positive test or something, people like move the game, cancel the season and kind of just kind of throwing stuff against the wall. But we don't really have a lot to go off of to know like what exactly will happen. You know, I'm with you to that I think that if, if there's no more positive tests, I think the game will be played as scheduled, you know, and if there is, then it's you know, Monday, Tuesday, looking at that type of a scenario. And if there's a outbreak or something like that, then you're probably looking at massive rescheduling and retooling and maybe a week 18 or something. But that seems like, last resort at this point so plenty to think about and, and kind of mull over with the COVID situation there but then there's also this little element of uh, the football that actually occurs on the field that we want to talk about with you as well I am in this place to where I just am not really sure what the Raiders are offensively I felt like I had them kind of figured out even after the Saints win I was like yep this is pretty much the team i thought like they'll catch a couple teams good scheme and when they're executing the protections there cars always been accurate in the short range intermediate range like he's been always been pretty good in that regard when he's getting protected you know they can hit passes in there they can keep drives moving they were converting third downs and i was like yep i can see them running into in the saints weren't all that in my opinion so i could see i can i can understand this then they go out against the chiefs and four of six on passes of 20 yards or more 219 yards on Just on those deep balls in that game, two touchdowns. I mean, they were absolutely making it rain against Kansas City. I haven't seen that from Derek Carr since he was first start out in the league. I'm just curious what your take is on the Raiders' offense. Are they? I actually – I mean, he, he, Carr is tied for 26. I mentioned this yesterday on the show. He's tied for 26 in the league on deep ball attempts, attempts of 20 yards or more. So, yeah, I know he's not doing it a ton, But is this offense moving toward that kind of a big play explosive down the field? They certainly seem like they have the offensive weapons for it, but it's never really been Carr's proclivity as a quarterback. And then he comes out against Kansas city and he's absolutely dealing, throwing the ball down the field.
2: Yeah. I think it's definitely something they want to do more of, but a big issue this season is guys just haven't been healthy. I mean, Henry Ruggs the third, he got hurt in week one Uh, week two, he played, but he was pretty limited. Um, And then after that, he missed two games against the Patriots and the bills and, that Chiefs game was his first game back, and we saw what happened, how, how good a performance that he had. He really just blows the top off the defense. You have to respect his speed at all times when he's on the field, and that opens up more of those underneath passes that they're more so known for and even the running game. Um, and then also their other starting wide receiver, Brian Edwards, he got hurt against the Patriots. He's been out since then. But they have had Nelson Aguilar. He stepped up and played really well, I mean, surprisingly well. Um, you know, he was kind of overlooked as a free agent addition. But I think he's leading the team, receiving with three touchdowns so far. And, even Zay Jones, and obviously, I, th- I think their best receiving target is, is actually you know tight end Darren Waller, and mm-hmm. one you know, of the better tight ends in the league. And so, as you said, they have the weapons when it when it comes to the passing game and push it deep down the field. They just haven't had you know the guys that they would push the ball down the field to. When it, primarily, when it comes to Henry Rudd's. and the big issue on the offensive line as well. Even before this fiasco this week, they've been beat up with injuries. I mean, Trent Brown he got hurt in the first series, right, and then he missed probably two or three games, and then. Richie Incognito, he's still on injured reserve with Achilles injury right now, uh, and so they've been beat up on the offensive line, and you, know, you don't actually have a lot of time to throw when you're going against some of these defenses. And obviously, the Bucks be the best defense that they played so far this season, and so you know it's kind of hard to say. Obviously, with this situation, I mean, if their offensive line is there, maybe <laughs> you know they can you know put up the kind of performance they had against the Chiefs. But if, if, you know, if the guys can't play this game, and you know they have no hope. But I do think this is you know they've proven so far regardless of opponent that this is one of the best offenses in the league when it comes to efficiency and their ability to move the ball i think they were good at moving the ball last year as well they just couldn't put points up on the board but this year starting to finish drives and you know score early with some of those big plays that you spoke to especially against the chiefs
0: i think um i think you know if if the raiders did try and force the ball down the field with with deeper shots i think that kind of plays more into the Buccaneers defensive hand a little bit just because that allows time for the pass rush to get there um you know, the Drew Breezes of the Worlds, even Nick Foles a couple of weeks ago, kind of frustrated the Buccaneers pass rush with a little bit because he wasn't trying to push the ball down the field. He was getting the ball out pretty quick and and um you know that's frustrating to a defense. But um if they do, do if they do, you know, play the John Gruden style, right? And the West Coast style offense where they, you know, do a lot of short intermediate type things. Um, you know, Todd Bowles has seen that, right, a thousand times and and hopefully he'll have these guys a little better prepared scheme wise than he did against the bears because uh that was just bad as bad as as good as he he had a uh game plan for aaron Rodgers last week i think i think they really missed an opportunity against nick Foles and and that bears team a few weeks ago to to, uh, to have a, a good scheme. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of that chess match because every week it's a chess match. That first series, first two series for the Packers last week, they moved down the field 144 yards in the yeah. first quarter and, and Todd Bowles made the adjustment. He out coached Matt LaFleur at that point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gruden's a, a brilliant offensive mind. Uh, he's very good at countering moves. Uh, Todd Bowles is, is brilliant at it. This, this to me, is a really fascinating coaching matchup as much as it is players on the field matchup. Yeah,
2: I think another huge piece of this is, you know, can the Raiders get Josh Jacobs going again? He started out pretty fast the first two games of the season. The last three games he's been pretty limited. Uh, and, you know, as you said, you know, just dropping back to pass every time against this Bucs defense eventually, you know, that, that rush is going to get home. But if you got the running game going with Jacobs and Devontae Booker who had a, a really good game last week hmm. against the Chiefs, or two weeks ago against the Chiefs, um, if they can get that running game going, to think take some of the pressure off of Carter. You know, have to push the ball down the field, and you know, maybe getting too predictable with some of those underneath routes. And they like to target the running backs a little bit more this year. I think Josh Jacobs, as a rookie, he didn't really have a big impact in the passing game. In this season, he's been much improved in that in that area. And so, one thing about John Gruden, he's going to mix it up. You're going to get a lot of different personnel formations. You know, they they love using two and three tight ends. They love using mm-hmm. their fullback Alec Engle. They throw like go routes to him at certain times. And so, <laughs> He's gonna mix it up as much as he possibly can, especially if they're, they're a little bit compromised with, with the guys that they have out there.
1: Right. Yeah. He's. It's interesting. He's one of the only guys that I've seen, other than Green Bay, really, and obviously San Francisco, that will get their running backs vertical. You know, and they've been, the Bucks saw that last week in Green Bay, dodged a bullet once from Aaron Jones. Carlton Davis made heck of a play, but you know Gruden will do the same thing, and so it is schematically something you kind of have to be aware of. Very difficult, in my opinion, to kind of bet on what the Raiders are going to do offensively. But one place you can bet is over with our friends at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college ball, and MLB playoffs, there's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with MyBookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is that underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday. Every team truly has a chance to win, and you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at mybookie. And when you do, use our promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, Pewter. Use that promo code to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Stack UFC cards, presidential prop bets, and all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. To Sean, one of the things.
0: Well, I'm go sorry, ahead Mark. John, I was just going to say when I when I was in Vegas uh, a couple years ago, I put twenty dollars down on the book. Actually, yes, I put twenty dollars down for myself, and a friend of mine said, "Hey, put twenty dollars down." By the way, he never gave me that twenty dollars. So if you're out there, Jeff, you still owe me that twenty dollars. But it was twenty-one or twenty-five to one. 1- <laughs> Jeff's on about to jump
1: in the chat here.
0: I hope he does. And uh, and I'll give you my address because I could use that money right now. But um, but I I. Vegas is an amazing place to bet, man. We went to the Westgate, uh, and there's and there, there it, it was like a palace of, of betting and, and and sports bookies and things like that. It was just really fascinating. Good news is you don't have to travel all the way to Vegas. You can just go to mybookie.ag, and, uh, and uh, it's like having your own personal uh, betting palace at your fingertips. Anyway, sorry That's to true. interrupt you there. Wait, wait, no, wait. One more thing. One more thing. I got to say it. I got to say, again, when I went to Vegas, Sean, you're absolutely right. I'd never been to Vegas before. We flew in about 10 o'clock. It was in June. Uh, everybody said, oh, you know, the heat, the heat. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm from Florida. And those, <laughs> the McCarran Airport, those doors slid open, right, where you walk out after you get your bags. And it was literally like when you checked the brownies in the oven.
1: And you pull the (laughs) oven
0: down and that 350 hits you in the face. I'm not even exaggerating. That is the best description. People told me that was going to be like, and I didn't believe them. That is the best description. Uh, You do get kind of used to it. You don't really sweat. There is no humidity, but uh, Mm -hmm. it it takes a little bit of getting used to for sure. But anyway, all right, I'm sorry. We're wasting good quality time with our guest (laughs) talking nonsense. Go ahead, Johnny.
1: No, it's not nonsense. It matters to the people. They know the Florida people know, and and uh, but I did want to ask you about Deshaun is Darren Waller. You mentioned him briefly, and I think it's like when I'm talking to Bucs fans about like, wait, what's going to happen in this game? How do they match up in this game? You know, I think they feel okay about the skill position players at wide receiver. You know, and I they've done a good job for the most part of uh, stopping the running game this entire season. Number one run defense in the NFL, I believe, and so it's been kind of good on all those fronts. But one area that it's kind of an unknown is. What do they do with these dynamic tight ends and a player like Darren Waller? I mean, Jared Cook, week one, gave him some issues for sure. They did better against Noah Fant, although he did drop three passes in that game. So the box score maybe went a little bit favorable, and they didn't have good quarterbacking either. And so it's kind of been this question mark. You know, it wasn't. It was even like Donald Parham for the Chargers, who's coming off their practice squad, splits out wide, which Darren Waller can do. He'll play wide. He'll play in the slot. And he's catching a touchdown pass on a corner for the Bucs. And so it has been like a tough slot for them to be able to match up against is that tight end, especially the hybrid kind of uber-athletic tight end like Darren Waller is. What kind of challenges does he present uh, from you watching him? And has any team been able to devise any type of a scheme to take him away this season?
2: Yeah, I think you talked to Win. Nguyen. He, he wrote a story kind of yep. – highlighting the, the best defense so far this, this season. And though he had Bucks, the Bucks ranked number one, you know, one of the weaknesses that he did have for them is kind of how their linebackers play in pass coverage. And mm-hmm. you know, obviously Waller is a, is a terrible matchup if you struggle in that area. I mean, he's basically a 6'6 six, six wide receiver. As you said, he'll split out wide, you know, as a traditional, you know, tight end. He's lined up in the back backfield at the H-back position. He's... It had him lined up in, like, an off-kilter offensive line Mm -hmm. where he's left left tackle and he goes out for a pass formation. So they they move him all across the field. And uh, I think he's, you know, top three, top five tight end in the league. The one team that probably shut him down the most was the Patriots, which probably isn't that surprising since that's
1: (laughs) – No.
2: Taking away your best player or your best weapon. And, you know, they bracketed him, double coverage. They had situations where they made him quite double coverage and then they fell off of it. And so – you know, he might have been open, but car looked somewhere else because it looked like he was going to be off the field. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it made it a little bit easier for them to do that because Ruggs didn't play that game. Yeah. Yeah. Edwards got hurt. And so the, the Raiders were a little bit compromised at their skill position. Uh, I think this week, you know, with them having Ruggs and, and Aguilar and Hunter Renfro from the slot, who I haven't mentioned yet, and, and Waller, that makes it a little bit tougher if you're you know going to attempt to double somebody like Waller. Uh, so he's he's a mismatch, you know, and, and if you're leaving him one-on-one with a linebacker, chances are Carr is going to be going his way.
1: His story is just crazy. I mean, just a crazy, awesome story. I, I love it. I've seen interviews with him, you know, not only just the ability to, you know, him working and, and currently still, as he'll always say, in that process of overcoming drug and alcohol addiction and and what that what the just just doing that in and of itself and being able to get clean and get in that position being amazing enough but now you are literally so good at a position you didn't even play in college in the NFL that Bill Belichick the greatest defensive mind of all time is scheming <laughs> his whole defensive gameplay to take you away like just think about where Darren Waller's come in 2 years it's inspiring but also it's just like from even from a just a pure football perspective, if you don't know that much about a story, it's crazy. This guy wasn't even a tight end and now he's out here like literally making the greatest defensive minds in football, rearrange how they go about running a defense. Crazy to me.
2: Yeah, it's insane. I mean, that's that's what made me feel bad about, you know, what happened with, with his fundraiser and kinda of the little attention that got taken off of that. i like it's like a <laughs> there, I'm like this guy's story is amazing and right as he overcome you know his his struggles personally, but now he's making an effort to give back to others, and particularly the youth here in Vegas, and, and trying to help them turn turn their lives around through battle on some of the same issues that he had. And so obviously that yeah. was the focus event, they got lost a little bit, but, but yeah, his, his story is amazing, man. He's probably in that aspect the most interesting guy on the team. And mm-hmm. uh, even though he's you know, he's older, he's 27, 28, and so uh, this this probably is his peak, his prime years. You know, he's like I said, he's still figuring out this position. You know, it's something mm-hmm. that is new to him and, and being in this large of a role and so uh, you know he, he's gonna as he faces more defenses that, that key in on him like the Patriots did he'll learn to work around it and adjust to it but this is something that you know he's really only been a starting tight end for two years you know he, he's still kind of learning as he going as he goes to a to a degree but he's incredibly talented and he's going to be somebody that pretty much I would, I would consider every week their number one receiving option no matter which defense they're going up against
1: Yeah, I think that man, when you look at this Raiders offense just as a whole, it's like hard to for us to even unpack that much because you are thinking about, you know, in the back of your head, kind of like what if they have to go without this offensive line and what you know how much does that change everything else that's going on so feel like we've touched on that as much as we kind of can and then we'll just kind of you know box fans that are that are listening and watching Raiders fans that are listening and watching you know we'll kind of keep you updated as much as we can obviously about what's going on uh with this offensive line this COVID situation obviously but let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball if we can to Sean you know we've said Some positive, the Raiders have excitement, positivity in the offensive side of the ball. There's optimism there, not only about the players individually, but also the scheme and the ability to hit peaks like they did against Kansas City. What if those can be sustained? There's a lot of excitement around the Raiders on the offensive side of the ball. What about the defensive side of the ball, man? I mean, (laughs) you're laughing already, but it's like, man, I mean, I I had a whole list of stats that I read yesterday. Maybe you can't see those in the light, but on the the podcast, and I was like, I don't know what this team is good at defensively. I mean, I think they are eighth in pressure percentage per pro football uh, reference, but every other category in the league that I kind of looked at, they're at best 16th and almost always in the bottom four or five. This is a defense that Mike Mayock and John Gruden have built. This, they've picked most of these guys. They've drafted them, signed some of them in free agency. I know Nick Kwiatkowski is still just working his way back into it. And he's been an upgrade. But Corey Littleton, some of these guys are guys that they like hand picked and were like, we want you to come here and play and help be this turn this defense around. And here we are again, and it just doesn't seem like it's really – coming together for them what do you see on that side of the ball what are the major issues and does the talent there is this a unit that can be turned around
2: yeah i think through the first four games four and a half games of the season it had been a complete disaster for the defense i mean i know they got a lot of praise for chiefs game but they did give up 24 points in the first half and you know obviously they held them all eight points in the second half and it was big in that victory but they didn't exactly get off to the the greatest start in that game either uh I think it's, it's been issues at every level um, up front. I mean, it's been really disappointing. They, they, before last week, they had a really good game against the chiefs, but they, they'd had one of the worst pass rushes in the league up until that point. Um, they, it, one of their big sign-ins, you know, this off season was, was defensive tackle, Muley Collins. They signed him away from the Cowboys and they touted him as the key of the defense. And he had been pretty much missing in action through the first four games. He was, he was out last game with an injury and uh, Maurice Hurst, uh, the backup defensive tackle had actually been out playing him in you know, Cleveland Pharrell, he's somebody that's gotten a lot of a lot of you know criticism since you know drafted him number four overall. Mm-hmm. He had pretty slow starts of the season. He finally had a good game against the Chiefs. But Max Crosby had really been their only defensive lineman who was consistently getting pressure and, and getting to the quarterback and being able to bring him down. And uh, you know, when you have that lack of a pass rush that puts a lot of pressure on your secondary. Um they have a extremely young secondary, Trayvon Mullen. He's he's been really good this season, but he is a second year player. Jonathan Abrams is a second-year player, but they only played one game as a rookie, so he's basically still a rookie. Mm. Uh, other cornerback, Damon Arnett, was a rookie, and then he got hurt, and so now they're having a backup cornerback out there. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, he's somebody, like you said, one of those guys that they paid a lot of money. He hasn't played that well with Nickelback. You know, he had been a safety earlier in his career, and he's been kind of struggling. Right.
0: from Florida yeah, State. Uh,
2: saying bad things about him, but uh, he <laughs> No, credit, I, you know? I get it, man. Yeah, uh,
0: He has not had a good year this year. Yeah, yeah
2: even even linebacker, I mean, you know, this was supposed to be finally the year of the Raiders after like years and years of never having a good linebacker. Corey Littleton, he's the highest play player on the defense and he's been pretty underwhelming. He's missed a lot of tackles this year. He hasn't been that great in coverage. Tra- Travis Kelsey gave him fits left, uh, two weeks ago. I mean, you know, Travis Kelsey does that to a, to a lot of linebackers, including some of the best in the league, but even against lesser tight ends and receivers, Littleton had great. Yeah. Wait, Kowski? he's been pretty good, but he had a pectoral injury in the first game of the season. So it's just, whether it's been injury or guys underperforming that they paid a lot of money or made a big investment in at all three levels, they just had issues across the defense. And I, I don't know if it's – I think it's a mix of both, you know, a lot of the – he goes to defense coordinator Paul Gunther in his system in his game, and his scheme is he just not a good de- defensive coach. But I think they still have a, a talent deficit on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think going into the season, I think the expectation was for the defense to be you know, maybe an average unit or okay. Mm-hmm. It was never going to be a good unit, you know. There's hope that with the additions that they made both through the draft, and free agency that, that they can at least be serviceable after being bad for so long. But so far this season, they've just been bad again. And You know, obviously going up against Tom Brady and the Bucks and all the weapons that they have is going to be another challenging week. And I think the big key to it is going to be whether or not they can sustain that pressure that they found against the Chiefs. Um, they're getting some guys back this week. Carl Nassib, who got hurt during the Chiefs game, he's, he should be coming back. Willie Collins will be coming back. And Mo Hurst, he's back off the COVID list. And so... They're getting some help back, and um, they had a lot of plays against Patrick Mahomes where they got pressure and got in the backfield, but
1: right,
2: does Mahomes things and scrambled around and finds a way to get the ball down.
1: Brady's (laughs) not going to do that. What? He's not?
2: uh, No? Brady's not doing 360s in the pocket, running them the opposite side of the field. Some of those pressures could turn into sacks. It's just a matter of are they winning those one-on-one battles at the line of scrimmage at the same level that they did um, against the Chiefs. I I think that's really their only – hope going slowing down his Bucks offense on
0: Sunday. And or- in, in the Buccaneer offensive line has been really up and down. I mean, they'll have a great game and then they'll have a, you know, a really poor game and maybe an average game. But last week was, uh, was a good game. Um, if they can play like that and keep Tom Brady upright, you know, would, like you said, the weapons they have going up against the defense that's, that's really mediocre stat wise. Um, you know, it's certainly a huge advantage for the Buccaneers, but, um, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm an old guy, as you can see to I'm, I'm like 150 <laughs> years old. And, uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys, man, if you can block the team that blocks the best and tackles the best has a really good chance of winning football games. And so, you know, I still believe football is, is won and lost a lot of the time in the trenches. And, um, you know, if the Buccaneers are going to lose this game, it's going to be because, um, you know, they're going to have an offensive output kind of like that Bears game where the offensive line played poorly and, uh, and they just didn't score enough points because they should be able to move the football. Again, if you're just looking at it on paper, there shouldn't be any reason why uh, the Buccaneers can't move the football against the Raiders defense. But, um, but there's one way they can stop them and that's, that's getting pressure on, on Tom Brady. So hopefully for Buccaneer fans, the, uh, the offensive line is the uh, Packers game type offensive line as opposed to the bears a couple of weeks ago when, when uh, Tom was running for his life and got uh, almost died in that game. Yeah. That's really. been the
1: key for, for the, for anybody who's had success against the Bucks offense, you know, the box have either shot themselves on the foot and the only t- other than that, you know, with penalties and drops and other than that, when they've struggled offensively, it's really been, when teams have been able to get pressure. Sometimes that's blitzing. um, You know, sometimes the offensive line, like you mentioned, I'm probably more optimistic on their performance this year than you maybe. but I agree in the Bears game, the second half at times when the offense stalled, it was almost always because protection. Now, the Bears are an elite pass rush group. The Raiders haven't been an elite pass rush group, but still, Deshaun, like what do you see from this group? You mentioned the last time they were out on the field was their best time producing pressure, and they have produced pressure this season. You know, from my observation, I say – even though they may not have like an elite pass rusher, they may not be like super skilled individually. The one thing I see is just guys that bust their tail. And so if the quarterback holds the ball at all, they can get, I would say they get pressure. They might not get pass rush wins per se in like under 2.5 seconds, but they seem like a group that can get pressure. If you hold the ball or mess around on the backfield, like they're just going to keep working. It seems like they've at least drafted guys that you would, you know, quote unquote dogs on that side of the ball. It seems.
2: Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a Rod Marinelli coach front, your effort is not going to be an issue. Like, the guys are, right. Trying. They just, and part of it is that they only really rush four. Like, they don't really blitz yeah. that often. So, you're putting a lot of pressures on guys, not only to win one on one matchups, but to win two on one matchups. And, Good point. Uh, you know, the, the talent is there, and it's just a matter of, I, I think, one issue that they had, that they had particularly against the Bills when they had that loss, where they were really trying to contain Josh Allen and keep him in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Avoid him from hurting him with his legs, and you know, in doing so, they weren't really getting after him. You know, they were kind of keeping him boxed in, but he had all day to throw because he had a clean pocket. And against the Chiefs, they just kind of let it loose. said, "All right, forget it. We're just going to rush like crazy and try to get him." And, you know, in the first half, there were some plays where, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. You know, he's going to escape. He's going to pick up some first downs with his legs. He's going to, you know, get find somebody open down the field, and you're going to get burned sometimes. But eventually. They just stuck with it, trusted their system, and, and it paid off for them in the second half. And so that's the same mentality I expect for them to bring with this game is to be more aggressive, simplify things, and just get after it. You're not always going to win. You know, obviously, and sometimes you just get beat like, you know, one on one matchups or, like I said, two on one matchups. Uh, you know, you're always going to beat four or five, right? Yeah. Quick enough, especially going against a quarterback like Tom Brady, who isn't mobile, but he throws the ball and gets rid of the ball so quickly that he doesn't really give you the opportunity to get to him. And then the other thing is the Raiders' run defense has been pretty bad this season as well. So if the Bucks are moving the ball well on the ground, then that becomes even less of a factor when the defensive ends can't just rush, you know, straight and not worry about it. They have to worry about the running game as well. If the Bucks are able to find some success in that area, then that could also be another thing that distills the
0: Raiders. Now, Tashawn, you you mentioned protection a minute ago. You know who else is very good at protection in the Tampa Bay area? Well. You're not Ooh. from Tampa, so you don't know. But Briar Greaves Insurance Agency, they're a proud sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. They've been in business for over 30 years. They're a three-generation family-owned business, and award-winning agency who can take care of your home, auto, boat, life, flood, commercial uh, anything maybe even um, a nuclear bomb disaster that might maybe there's an, an unexploded bomb in the desert to john i don't know but i'm sure briar Greaves can find some sort of coverage if that's the case uh but anyway we want our readers to give them a call because really there's there's nobody out there now, not everybody needs a new car everybody doesn't always need a lawyer but everybody needs some type of insurance and that's where briar Greaves can help you out 813- 876-4166. Again, 813-876-4166. Give Sam, give Briar a call. They're big Buccaneer fans. They love the team. They've been season ticket holders. They're excited to talk Buccaneers football. And in the meantime, while you're chatting football, let them check over your policies. Let them see what you have now and see if they can save you some money. Maybe they can't, but it's a free call and uh, or meet them in person in their office over off of Henderson. Again, one more time: 813 876 Six, six. Anyway, hopefully there's no uh, unexploded nuclear bombs left in the desert. I actually, Sean, you're going to have to do this sometime. I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Uh, we went to the nuclear, no, the atomic energy and nuclear bomb museum uh, in Vegas. Don't ask me why. It's a long story. Um oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't, uh, you know, look, I guess if there's nothing else left to do in Vegas, if you've gambled away all your money, go to the atomic <laughs> bomb museum. It's kind of interesting. But uh, anyway, I I did learn one thing. They used to I mean, they had parties in Vegas, right, where you would watch the tests. I mean, they were, you know, 50, 60 miles away, but they would go out and and, and the and the they would have parties, watch parties for uh, for testing nuclear weapons, which is just mind boggling to me uh anyway all right i don't know why i'm talking about that man i'm just uh yeah, just I, haven't, don't... I haven't reached that part of the pandemic yet. I'm not there
1: i was gonna say no, not yet. To quarantined a
0: lot man. longer to get there man and we paid for it we actually took money out of our wallet and handed it to the people to walk stop in stop giving them
1: details man this yeah. is just making it look worse for you we we, we <laughs> were
0: visiting we were visiting with some family who thought that we would enjoy it and i pray they don't listen to this podcast because i probably won't get a birthday or a christmas gift but anyway i'm sorry Deshaun, we do want to let you go.
1: I know you want to get to this Eagles-Giants. We were recording on a Thursday night a little bit before this Eagles-Giants barn burner where there might be somebody healthy left from the original starting lineup, maybe two or three players we got to get our eyes on tonight. So I know we want to let you get to that game and be able to check that out and watch that. But do want to get your prediction for this game before uh, we let you go uh, for this Bucks-Raiders game. If it happens Sunday, as expected, let's say for the hypothetical of this prediction – the line is back for the Raiders, the offensive line is back and Jonathan Abram's back, but they obviously won't have practiced. So that may kind of influence things. But your thoughts on how this game could go and, and what you think the final score will be, maybe at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, it's been tough for me to work out a score because I have like no idea who's about to play. But under your scenario, <laughs> uh, I think I saw the Bucks winning I wanna say we eh, can go. 34-28. I, th- I still think the Raiders' mm-hmm. offense will be able to find some success. They have been able to do that in games this season when they've been without, obviously Trent Brown is not going to play in this game. Regardless, mm-hmm. I mean, Richie Incognito is going to be out as well, and they've had games where they've been without both of those guys and been able to move the ball well and score some points. So I'm pretty confident in their offense at this point. I think no matter what, their offense is going to be able to move the ball and put some points up on the board. But I just have zero faith really in the defense, uh, particularly going against you know a team as talented as the Bucks you know, with Damon Arnett still being out as an outside cornerback, and, you know, Abram not having practice time. They've had some really sh- bad struggles at free safety. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not always on the pass rush yet. I, I know they, they're coming off a really strong performance, but I don't know if they can see that again, you know, particularly against – I think the Bucks' offensive line is, is probably a little bit better than Chiefs' offensive line with some of the games mm-hmm. they've had. So I, I just think the defense isn't able to slow down the Bucks enough, but I do think the Raiders – fight and they're, and they're valiant in this game, which I think, you know, coming off the circumstances that they've had this week, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. So, right. and, you know, coming out at three and three after this one, but, uh, you know, I still think they're a team that will end up cont- contending for one of those wild card spots later on this year.
1: He is Tashawn Reed, ladies and gentlemen. Covers the Athletic for six months now for the Raiders. Uh, Does a great job covering that team. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter if you get the chance. At T-A-S-H-A-N. Last name is Reed, R-E-E-D. Make sure you give him a follow. Always, lots of great stuff and thoughts on there. He throws out music takes. I've seen your show takes. I've seen you talk about the boys a little bit, and I've been very intrigued. I gotta grab you and chat with you about that show because I have thoughts, man, uh, on that show as well. What a wild ride that is! So uh, we'll have, we'll definitely keep catching up and stay in touch. But enjoy the game on Sunday if it happens on Sunday, man, uh, and keep killing it out there with some great work. We really appreciate you giving us some time. All
0: right, thanks, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Anyway, Absolutely, I really appreciate and- it. And I, and I really appreciate your FSU coverage, man. I know it was, Thank you man. know, it was tough duty being stuck in Tallahassee for a couple of years, but man, you did, a, man, did fair, a good yeah. job. It, 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 definitely, you, you, it probably built, built some thick skin too, dealing with the FSU probably. Twitter. We can be a little yeah. rough sometimes, but we appreciate you, man. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, for us on the pewter report podcast, we
1: will be back on well, after the game, actually, you know, it's not going to be a night game now, so you won't even have to stay up that late and listen to us. You can get to us before, you know, we'll be on at some point 10 to 30, probably after those, Uh, pressers and everything gets out of the way after the post game, we'll jump on. We'll be live again, YouTube, Facebook. Again, if you don't subscribe to us, go over to our YouTube, Peter Report TV, subscribe. If you've subscribed already and you're having trouble getting the notifications, we changed some of the settings, so just unsubscribe and then subscribe again and select that bell and get the notifications for when we go live. We'll be going live four times a week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're talking Raiders. uh, We're talking Bucks all this week, so go back and listen uh, to the podcast. We've had some great – yesterday, Scott and I broke down the matchups in depth and had a lot of fun with it. Uh, And So, uh, yeah, I think it's been a great time, and we appreciate you all subscribing. We've added hundreds of you all in the recent days, and uh, we appreciate you all supporting us moving forward as well. Uh, So thank you all so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out.